0: You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Grinding True Crimes with your host, Todd Fox and Maddie Matt. How's
1: everybody doing today?
0: Yes, sir, Maddie Matt. And uh, we're missing one. She's out with due to an injury gabby gab <laughs> but she'll be back hopefully in about a week or two so wish her well please and and today is a little different as you could see i am hosting but i'm uh, doing matt's role matt will be telling you this story he has one that i've never heard of and uh, i'm very interested to hear what he's got so before we do that let's just let you know where you can get a hold of us you can hit us up on podbean under grinding true crimes we're on uh, iHeart Radio, Spotify, and most uh, like Google Play, iTunes, stuff like that. So, without further ado, I'm I'm I know Matt's locked and loaded for this one. So, take it away, my man.
1: Yes, sir. Well, thank you very much, man. Yeah, normally Todd's the one doing this, but I'm gonna switch it up, and we're gonna talk about the story called "The Girl in the Box."
0: Girl in the Box.
1: Todd's never heard of it. Matter of fact, I never heard of it until I looked it up, because this took place in a different country. We're talking about thousands of miles from where we reside, Todd. Okay. And this one should pique your interest, because it's your bloodline. You're tied to this place. (laughs) And and actually, I am a little bit, too. I got some DNA blood I found out, but you know where I'm talking about, right, Todd?
0: Germany, right? Because that's the only clue I have.
1: That is correct. Okay. Old Germany, and this story till this day is one of the most notorious post-war criminal cases till this day.
0: Ooh, interesting. So,
1: very interesting. Without further ado, let's just get into it. Let me pull up my notes, and let's get started. Now, this one. Uh, I lost my... Okay, so let's get into it. We're going to take you back to September 15, 1981. There in the Alpine foothills of South Germany is a vast lake called Ammersee. I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, but hey, I'm trying. I believe it's Amherst. Street.
0: I wouldn't be able to do shores it either. There... Huh? <laughs> I wouldn't be able to nail that one either.
1: <laughs> now, the shores there has a lot of villages where rich families usually buy their second home there. And this place attracts many tourists who come and dine and eat and drink. Obviously, what do they drink? Beer. <laughs> Beer. You guessed it. Oh yeah, you're Germans coming out. <laughs> 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 so they have a lot of restaurants there and it's a tourist attraction. Got it. Now that's on the south side of the Germany. Now on the north end of that same, same area, there are a pair of villages. Now we gotta keep a note of these two villages in particular. The first village is Etching, And Amrsy, and the other village is Skorndorf. I believe I said that right. Skorndorf. Okay. They are less than two miles apart and it's only separated by forests, which are about a block long. And those forests attract hunters, joggers, mountain bikers, and unfortunately, they attract kidnappers and criminals. Mm -hmm. So. That should tell you right there what this is going to be about, especially in this case, the kidnappers.
0: Ooh, okay.
1: So, on September 15th, Tuesday, 1981, a 10 year old girl named Ursula Hermaine, the youngest of four, had just returned home from school for her piano lesson and what she practices with her older brother, Michael. Mm-hmm. They're usually Ursula, who lives in Etching was headed off on her bike to her gym class, her late gym class, which is in Scorndorf, which is, like I mentioned earlier, about two miles long. When her class was over, she was headed to her cousin's house, which is also in Scorndorf, to eat dinner. Now, it was about 7.20 p.m., and that's when Ursula's mom called the aunt and told her, hey, it's time for Ursula to come home. You need to come home. Now, even though it was late, there was still light out and the bike ride from Sporned Off to Etching was about 10, 10 minutes so the mom wasn't that worried and I'm quite sure Ursula has done this before so, you know uh, she was okay with it mm-hmm. now let me ask you Todd, Todd Fox you got a 10 year old daughter now clearly this is 1981 yes. you got a 10 year old daughter would you be comfortable letting her ride her bike through forces from one one town to
0: the next. Absolutely not. I don't even want even them running around the block. I don't even want them going around the block. <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I totally agree. I, 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 and when I was reading this, I was I was kind of like scratching my head because I'm, I'm the same way. of like, yeah, I know, it's, I know it's close and I know it's a short distance, but I, I just wouldn't feel comfortable letting my daughter, let alone my son, at 10 years old, riding their bikes through forests. So, but... Ursula's done it before her mom was okay with it and I guess everything was fine until this day about a half an hour had passed already and there was no sign of Ursula her mom called the auntie back however the aunt said hey Ursula left about 25 minutes ago by then they both knew something wasn't right because Ursula always came home on time
0: oh she's she's very responsible
1: Yes, she was a very responsible little girl she did her job but she went to school went to went to uh her mom's and that was it that was that was her okay her dad and her uncle both rushed to the forest one on the other side of etching and the other on the other side of corndong they searched both forests that lead to each town mm-hmm. and yet there was no sign of her and they heard no replies when they were printing out her name. So nothing. Wow. Within an hour, most of the neighbors, a police officer and firefighters had joined the search and they too couldn't find her. And by then it was getting dark and guess what else was happening? It started to rain. No. So you've been in the forest before, you know how it is, the big trees. When the rain starts getting that that mud, it gets muddy, and it, it, it's not a good sign.
0: So basically, if if there was any tracks going into the forest, they're long gone.
1: They're long gone. Oof. So by that note, they had to bring in the search dogs. Yeah. Uh, by midnight, however, the search dogs found something. Hmm. They picked up her trail from the lake. From a lake far out, 20, about twenty meters away from the path, and some brushes, and there they found her red bike. Uh-oh. However, there was no sign of Ursula. What? 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 Do you? What is your thought so far, Todd?
0: Uh, it's definitely looking like foul play, or maybe an animal got her. But it's definitely looking foul play. And, and they didn't find no clothes or anything next to the bike.
1: No clothes. No nothing. The bike Viking! That was it.
0: Oh yeah, it's not looking good.
1: Not looking good at all. So, because it was getting dark and the weather condition, they had to close the search. And and immediately at the crack of daylight, the search in the morning intensified with dozens of officers. Now they're geared up and prepared for the weather condition. They got their boots, they got their raincoats, they're ready. They also brought in the police boats and divers to scan the shallow areas in the lakes mm-hmm. just in case that she may have fell in the lakes or inside of the, in the forest area um they also brought in helicopters as well to help search the local radio station announced the missing girl throughout all parts of germany in that area so the radio station is on board the police department the fire department everyone is looking for a little 10 year old ursula they're on the search Okay. So, things are really about to get interesting now. Now it's Thursday morning. Ursula has been missing for about thirty-six hours now, and her parents have heard nothing from her—nothing, no, no, no sign of life, nothing. However, something happened on this particular morning. They finally got them. What do you think they received, Dodd? Uh, what do you think the parents finally
0: got? Uh, maybe like a ransom note?
1: Oh, detective skills have... Your detective skills are so advanced. That's <laughs> the other part. <laughs> oh, okay. My bad. But, no, but you are onto something. Okay. Right before they got that note, they received a phone call.
0: Oh, okay. They
1: received a phone call. They picked up the phone, and when they did, it was an absolute silence. They, they heard nothing. However, seconds later, they they recognized something. They heard something in the background, and they recognized a jingle, a particular jingle from the radio station when they do the traffic report. They heard that jingle. Mm-hmm. Then it went back to silence. Then the jingle happened. Them, and then they hung up. Oh man. That happened three times. The repeated jingle, the silence, the repeated jingle. They call the callers called back three times to the parents' house. Mm-hmm. By now, they're puzzled. They don't know what's going on. So they call the police. The police is informed. They send the team out to the house. I guess in 1981 in Germany, they weren't tapping phone calls, so they sent the team particularly to their house to record the call. I don't know, but that's what the story said. Uh, So so the team is stationed in their house and they're there ready to record phone calls. Okay. There was no phone calls anymore after that. Now the next day, here's where your detective skills came in, something else came. This one is a little bit bigger. They received it in a small package. Mm. The postman delivered an envelope addressed to Ursula's dad. And it said, urgent. Like you said, inside was a ransom note. It was practically constructed using the letters and words from the newspaper. So oh. they cut out the words, and they cut out um, you know, letters from the tabloids of the newspaper and put it together, and they used broken German languages to translate the ransom. So clearly it was somebody who might not have been fluent in German, but they were
0: fluent enough to write what they said. Now, what do you think the ransom said, Todd? Mm, uh, for the return of your your daughter, send the money or place the money somewhere. It, something like that.
1: What if I said it didn't
0: say that? What did it say? It
1: said exactly what you said. Oh.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's how generic they usually are, but, I mean, it's genius because if you put it in handwriting and they catch you, they can easily just... I mean, even if they don't find a body, they can get you on yeah. handwriting alone.
1: I thought it was very interesting for them to cut it out because like you said, they can use that handwriting, maybe trace it some way. Mm-hmm. You know. I never saw nothing like that where they use cut out words, but hey, it was very interesting. But yes, they use cut out words and in broken Germany the note said, We kidnap your daughter if you ever want to see your daughter alive again. Then pay two million Deutschmarks, Marks, which is I looked it up, which is 450 pounds, which is equivalent to US is five hundred ninety-seven thousand five hundred six dollars.
0: Very specific.
1: So, very specific. Yeah. So that's what exactly what they were asking for. So wow. the kidnappers expect now. Here's the interesting part right here: the phone calls that came a day before. The letter was actually supposed to come before that. Because in the letter, it said um, they would use a jingle as their call sign. Oh. So they expected the letter to come a day before. Well,
0: it's nice and to know you... that their post office works as fast <laughs> as ours.
1: <laughs> Somebody was sleeping on the job. Yeah. And, then... <laughs> <laughs> and so because of that, when... They didn't hear nothing. That's why it was silent several times. Mm. They kept hearing the jingle. They did that several times, but there was no reply. The parents had no idea that was their call sign. So in the letter, it explained, we will use our call sign. If you pay, if you're going to pay, then agree. If not, or if you call the police, we will kill your daughter.
0: Oh, they already did both. You sure? No, I'm just saying they didn't. They did because the uh, letter didn't come before they. They said they called the police, so that's one. And then, oh yeah, two. They didn't respond to the jingle.
1: That's true. <laughs> that's, that's two.
0: True. Two bad signs. <laughs> Uh-oh. Now,
1: see, if that was me, I would be. I would be. I would be scared
0: by now. Yeah, I would I be like, too. Dang!
1: Dang! Wait a minute. That was. This was supposed to be the day before. <laughs> My daughter might
0: be dead. If I were the cop, I'd be like, well, there's only one thing to say to that.
1: (laughs) Don't! (laughs) Why are you going to go there and talk? I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) Early Homer Simpson.
1: (laughs) So now, little nerves are coming in. The nerves are coming in.
0: Mm
1: So after that, nothing happened. The next day, the next afternoon, actually. Phone rang once again. Ursula Mom picks up the phone. She hears the jingle. She immediately says, "Hey, I agree to pay. I agree to pay." There was no reply. There was no response. Uh-oh. Was complete silence. She also said, "I will pay, but I want proof that Ursula is still alive." But so what did you think she did?
0: A request maybe a to hear her daughter on the phone or something
1: something like that she requested she requested to know if they knew her daughter's favorite toy smart what are the names of her favorite toy smart if you have my daughter i want this proof tell me what are the names of her two favorite toys okay you know what she got what she get complete silence now she's pissed off. She's frantic. She's screaming. I want to know something. Tell me, where is my daughter? Where is oh. Ursula? Please. The phone hangs up. Oh. Got the dial tone. The same evening, the kidnappers, I'm sorry, the kidnappers posted a second note addressed to their father only. However, they got this note on Monday, September 21st. So you figure all this happened. This happened Thursday when they received the first note. Well, when they received the call, they received the note on Friday. They were supposed to receive the note on Wednesday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now they received the second note on Monday. So things look things aren't going as planned, according to the kidnapper. So that evening, the kidnappers, when they posted that second note, they gave them specific instructions to the parents. The kidnappers wanted the money to be paid in used $100 Dutchman marks bills, and they wanted it packed in a suitcase. They wanted it delivered to an unnamed location, and they wanted Ursula's dad only to deliver this money. No one else. Okay. Okay.
0: Well I'm just saying, okay.
1: Okay. He was to drive check this out. He was to drive a yellow Fiat six hundred. And he was not supposed to drive no faster than ninety miles per hour. Wow. So they gave him very specific instructions.
0: Did they tell him what to eat that morning? <laughs> <laughs> I mean jeez.
1: Oh, what you saying, man?
0: Like you only have scrambled eggs and toast with half a Stein. <laughs> what?
1: Man, so yeah, so that that was that was the specific instruction. Now these people weren't that wealthy. Other people in that area, remember I mentioned earlier, that area was very wealthy. Mm-hmm. But they weren't. They were only there in a near home lake. Because of Ursula's grandfather, who had purchased some grazing lands and they were there decades early. So they didn't really didn't have money. So they didn't have no way near the money they the ransom asked for. Okay. So some of the neighbors raised part of that ransom and the state agreed to cover the rest.
0: Whoa, okay.
1: Yes. So they were okay now. Now they're waiting. So they desperately waited for more instructions. Guess what? There was no more phone calls. There was no more letters. They had nothing. The police had no strong leads. They could. There was nothing heard from anymore.
0: How long did it take to get the money up?
1: Well, I didn't say specifically, but but it must have been quick enough. Okay. Now two weeks had passed.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. So the the police decided to search the forest again. This time they assembled more than 100 officers and uh, about 10 other uh, search dogs. And they divided it up in four parts of the forest. So nothing was found. By the fourth day of searching on a gloomy Sunday, they covered most of the forest and still nothing. Ursula had been missing for about 19 days, and they couldn't hear anything. About 9:30 that morning, there was a loud shout in a tiny glade about 800 miles away from the Lake Path. One of the officers had struck something solid when the when they were probing the soil. What do you think they found?
0: I hate to say the body.
1: You think they found a body? Yeah. Uh <laughs> no but they found something <laughs> what'd they find huh? what'd they find through a layer of clay they discovered a brown blanket covering a wooden board remember what the title of the story is the girl in the box Okay. They discovered a wooden board he removed it only to find a second board which appeared to be the lid of a box It was about 72 centimeters, the size of a small coffee table. It was painted green and locked from the top with seven sliding bolts. Jeez. Using a spade, he forced the lid open and he peered in. And guess what he found? Now, guess what he
0: found? The girl.
1: Found the girl. Mm. There was Ursula. Her body was cold and lifeless. The officers wept when they left her out they was crying the whole family was crying everyone was just in mourning at that time so due to, uh, say, that, say that again
0: no I didn't say nothing
1: okay so two detectives went, were sent to break the news to Ursula parents and while her mother was too distraught to ask any question, her father asked repeatedly had his daughter been hurt before her death the truthful answer was no the autopsy concluded that died. Ursula died within 30 minutes to five hours of being buried. Since there was no sign of struggle or even movement inside the box, the doctors assumed that she had been drugged beforehand, possibly with nitrous oxide.
0: So no strangulation, which I would usually usually happens in these type of cases. No strangulation, no mutilation and and just they're assuming it was a gas and then she was placed in there? Yep. Ooh, wow. That, that's different.
1: Very different. Okay. So it appeared that the kidnappers had planned to keep Ursa alive. The box was about 140 miles deep. It was fitted with a shelf and a seat that doubled as a toilet. It was stocked with three bottles of water, 12 cans of Fanta. Six large chocolate
0: bars, four packets of
1: biscuits, and two packs of chewing gum. You
0: said Fanta? Fanta. Fanta, Fanta. I was going to sing that, (laughs) but, all right.
1: (laughs) Hey, 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 they had everything for her. Like you said, it didn't appear that uh, that they wanted to uh, kill her. But
0: that's a pretty big freaking box then.
1: That's a huge box, man.
0: Very huge. So then if they had her down there and she's far out so yeah I'm seeing where they're going with this they are going to try to go through with it I'm interested to see what fell through man like how did it fall through
1: okay there was more things that was in the box however okay what else was in there it also contained small bizarre library books 21 to be exact from Donald Duck comics to western romance novels to thrillers to the horrors and everything there was a light and a portable radio tune to Bay Yearn 3. That was the radio station which, which uh, broadcast the breaking news to to that local area. It was Bay Yearn. That was the name of the station. Okay. The same station that broadcasted that traffic team. To enable Ursula to breathe, the box had ventilation system made from plastic plumbing pipe, which extended to the ground levels. Whoever did, however... Whoever designed it failed to realize that without a machine to circulate the air, the oxygen would not run out. So
0: or not not be able to get in either.
1: It won't be able to exactly. So that's probably that's what really caused it. The the, the, the nitrogen oxide.
0: So so she's so she and basically just suffocated, but she, did they, they just found her lay, like lying still.
1: Yeah, she basically
0: suffocated initially, and when they found her, she was just lifeless. Oh, okay. Yeah. Dang. She couldn't have lasted that long without the oxygen circulating.
1: Yes. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I can only hold my breath for about one minute.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, once once they close that hatch, whatever oxygen's in there, she's just recycling it till until yeah, exactly. it goes away
1: exactly so she she pretty much had no no way of surviving it Oof. So, now the police have believed they were hunting more than one kidnapper because of the size of the weight of the box it was about 60 kilo, kilograms large so it would probably would have been needed by at least two people to carry that carry it in the woods
0: you would so, think
1: you would think so. So the perpetrator must have known the as well, right? You would think, but they had chosen a remote site within it and had avoided attention while digging the hole and hacking path through the dense bush. So whoever it was, clearly knew what they were doing. They knew the area. They scoped it out.
0: I'm already, I'm already profiling a psychopathic uh, mountain man. <laughs> <laughs>
1: now why are you profiling
0: already man? because because i'm thinking okay man this guy makes moonshine or something up in the mountains and he creates stuff like that because those ki- kind of guys will go crazy after a while so that's my profile right there <laughs> all
1: right
0: abused as so a child else? you know uh-huh. <laughs> abused as a child you know the the normal stuff
1: <laughs> now if you go on the website if you look it up on google they actually have the picture of the box and how it's shaped. They also have the letters in which the ransom note was on there. Oh, okay. interesting.
0: I have to check that out.
1: Yeah, but if you look at the box, it's very, it's very interesting how they created that box and how they ex- uh, speculated how she must have been laying down inside. Okay. So if, if you look it up, just type in uh, "the girl in the box Germany" and you should you should pop it. Up. It should pop up. Now, okay. in Etching and nearby villages, the parents who previously let their children roam free were now terrified. <laughs> they didn't want them out of their sight at all. It, it shook up that area. Yep. So, one day at the funeral, one day of the funeral after uh, the harassment of the journalist, Ursula's brother, Michael, who she practiced with the piano with, was a, he was a shy 18-year-old. He lost his temper with a photographer. Who held a camera right in front of his face, and he knocked the camera to the ground.
0: Understandable.
1: That, yeah. I mean, come on, you pissed off. You know, you, you don't want that to happen. Mm-hmm. Now, desperate to find the culprit, the police offered a, a reward of thirty thousand Dutchman dollars for the information or tips of the of the killers. Now, one name that came up was Warner. I'm probably gonna butcher his name was Werner Mozarek. He was thirty-one year low thirty-one years old and he lived with his wife and two children just a few hundred meters from the Hermanes. He was a trained car mechanic and he left he left school at 15, and then he had his own TV repair business. So Mercerick, Mercerick was good with his hands and he was he was imposingly tall with a beer drinker's stomach. Quick-tempered and not well liked in the in the community. Well, so he's already been profiled. He was also heavily in debt, owing bank more than a hundred and forty thousand Dutchman dollars. So you would think he fit the motive, right? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you think? Do you think that's him?
0: He sounds like I I don't think it because it can't be that open and shut,
1: dude. Okay. Well, the police questioned him. And after weeks, Ursula, uh, after they found Ursula's body, they could not, he, Mercer could not initially recall his movement on the night she went missing. Oh,
0: that it doesn't took help. him
1: about 24 hours to provide an alibi. You know where the alibi said? They said he was, he had been playing board games with his wife and two friends. But guess what? Hmm. A search of his home and workshop revealed nothing that linked him to the crime. Later that month, the, Forensic team examined the box found and a fingerprint on a piece of duct tape, raising hopes of breakthrough. It, um, sorry, it, it did not include Mercevic. so he was off the list. So Mercerick was was not the suspect. Okay. However, the police still suspected Mercevic was involved. <laughs> the fingerprints weren't there, but they still had a feeling. And at the end of January 1982, they arrested him, along with two of his friends, and interrogated them for several days before releasing him. Welcome to Germany. <laughs>
0: you know what? He got off lucky, because if that was like 30 years prior or 40 years, he'd probably been executed already.
1: Yeah. But here's my thing. Like, they had no proof. He had an alibi. His fingerprints weren't matched. But they still they still arrested him on, what, suspicion? They just, hey, we think if you. Do you think that's
0: fair? No, it's not fair. I mean, like, I don't know how far back their criminal justice system was, but I know in the fifties and sixties, uh, you could punch a, a witness in the uh, before they got their Miranda rights. I think it was maybe in the fifties. I don't know if it reached into the sixties, but I know you could here in America, you could um, you could pop, you could back slap or back slap, backhand a woman, punch a guy in the face repeatedly to try to get them to crack. So,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah. those probably... Yeah,
1: well, hey, this is Germany, like I said, man. They they call on the shots. Mm-hmm. So they
0: arrested
1: Marcevic, along with two other friends. And a month later, uh, another one of Marcevic's acquaintances was questioned. His name was Klaus Pfaffinger. Pfing- Pfing- I I know I put you his name, but it's close
0: enough. But you got he the normal...
1: Oh Oh, of-
0: I'm just saying you got the normal... German names Werner and Klaus.
1: <laughs> you you might have uh, you might have to pronounce these, but not. All right. But, uh, he was um uh, he was an unemployed mechanic, and he off he had a drinking problem. Okay. His landlord uh, said that he owed him rent, and he told the police that in weeks in the weeks before the crime, he had seen his tenant driving his mop with a driving his mop with a stage straight to the side. So, one of the, the landlord saw something from Mr. Klaus and it wasn't really cool. He didn't. It, it was very suspicious. So Mr. Klaus initially protested his innocence. But on the second day of questioning, when the interrogator took a break and he was alone with the police secretary, he said a startling thing. What do you think he said?
0: Did he give a false confession?
1: Um, no. But he said something.
0: Did he uh, maybe try to imply one of his friends, like Werner?
1: No. Kind of, well, he kind of he kind of said something where it involved his friend. How about I tell you?
0: Go for it. Yeah.
1: He said. He said to the officer, "What if I know something?" Ooh. Now, when the interrogator returned, Klaus told them that Mr. Moserik. Who they suspected to be the suspect had asked him to dig a hole in the forest earlier in September, uh, earlier of September 1981, promising to pay him a thousand dollar gift and a color TV. Because <laughs> he's got but the hookups, like right?
0: Because he, because <laughs> he got the hookups, right? <laughs> <laughs> now
1: in 1981, I guess that was a promising deal, you know. Oh Especially yeah. For someone that's unemployed, that's true. So, what do you
0: think, Klaus? Pod's thing that I did. I think Klaus wanted to watch his rugby in color for a change, and he went for it.
1: <laughs> You're right. <laughs> so he said that he had dug the hole, and had later, seen a box embedded inside. Ooh. So, he said that this is his word. He said that he dug the hole. So the officers. Were Convinced that they cracked the case, the detectives drove Pathlinger to the forest that separated Etching and Schondorf, and they asked him to lead them to the burial site. To their dismay, he was not unable to locate it or even come close. Mm. So something's fishy here, don't you think?
0: Yeah. Why would he make a false confession or or make up a story like that?
1: Well, you'll see why. On returning to the police station, he said to them, "You know what? I'm revoking what I said. It was not true. I, I lied." During the uh, during the interrogation in the following month, he refused to repeat his confession, and he was eventually released without charge. Wow. Yep.
0: Wow.
1: Very interesting.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm puzzled by that.
1: Why why why
0: you say that? Cuz I mean obviously unless unless he read it in the paper that they found the girl in the box like sometimes police won't divulge all the information on purpose so if they get someone in there to actually say something and they give up a valuable piece that wasn't shared with the media then they know they have somebody or someone close to the investigation. However, him coming out like saying something like that, I bet you they they were like, "Yo, hey, he he knows what's up." And then it must have been super frustrating for the cops, but I'm still not following why he would lie about it. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, for me personally, for someone to confess something like that, they must know something. They have to. You got to. Because you were very specific in the details of what they told you to do and what you would get if you did it. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, you oh, I forgot. Uh yeah I don't know what I was talking about I was, I was just kidding I don't know me personally I wouldn't I I would still hold him I would still hold him even though I can't because you gotta have a, a proof of why you're holding him in in the in the jail I would still hold something against them Hey you got an unpaid parking ticket I'll find something <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah that's true that's true
1: So with that my man. I'm gonna leave
0: it there. Oh, okay. because the
1: second part is where it gets really interesting.
0: All right, piqued my interest.
1: <laughs> so far, what do you think?
0: I think it's really good, man. Um, I'm still, I'm still thrown off why Werner went that route, or was it Klaus? Klaus, right?
1: Klaus. Klaus yeah. Was his friend who uh, Mercerick is the one who the police suspect. Yeah. 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 Klaus was his uh, unemployed friend who. Ratted, ratted them out and said that, hey, Mercer told me that if I dig up a hole, he'll pay
0: me, blah, blah, blah. Well, maybe, maybe he got a bad TV. Maybe instead of a Panasonic, he got a <laughs> Panasonic. Like he got a bad knockoff. <laughs> or a Sony instead of a Sony.
1: <laughs> well, whatever it was, it, it made him change his mind.
0: Ooh, see? Yeah, see, and I want to know what's going on, man. And... I want to know what I want to know who's involved, and why the girl, and everything.
1: Well, I'm gonna tell you this, man. It's a really long story. Okay. And it's gonna take me about maybe three parts. Oh, okay. To break it down. So this was part one. I, I, that's why I said it's gonna. It, when I told you on the phone early, I said it's gonna make you want to know more, and I'm gonna stop it where it's gonna get interesting. Okay. <laughs> you got it. So, so remember those names, Mercevic
0: and Klaus. And Klaus, okay.
1: Okay, so we're going to end part one right here.
0: Yes, sir. Good. Uh,
1: the girl in the box.
0: The girl in the box. All right, so with that being said, this has been another episode of Grinding True Crimes. We will get on to part two next week or maybe later in the week whenever Matt and me hook up again and, uh, any final thoughts on that one?
1: My final thoughts on this one is: look up the, look it up, look up the box. Cause they show it in details of what it looked like? You got to look it up. The girl in the box from Germany, and you'll see they actually show clear pictures of what uh, the box looked like. So that was my final take on that. Okay. Very I, interesting story.
0: I'll do that, and I'll post the link on our page. Will so, do. Yeah. So for to t- for Todd Fox and the narrator today, Maddie
1: Matt. For for all you guys listening, thank you so much. By the way, check us out on our uh, on our uh, iHeartRadio, the uh, Facebook, Instagram. Just look us up under Grinding True Crime Podcast. And thank you for all those who listen throughout all the realms <laughs> and all the countries. <laughs> yeah, I've you have been very supportive very supportive. We have to show love to some of the ones from uh from the uh, Europe uh, from Europe. I know we got listeners out there, uh, Australia, Africa even. So, thank you so much. So, I, I me personally, I'm going to try to find a story in different countries mm-hmm. and relate it. And hopefully if you guys are listening from these countries, maybe you can write in our comments on our page and write in things that you guys know about the stories that I may be talking about or maybe even Todd if he brings up a story from other other uh, countries or other states so that would be very interesting to get get hands on uh, pointers from someone from uh, Germany on this story that I'm talking about that would be uh, very cool to hear you guys thoughts on this case if you've heard it before so that's my thought that's my take
0: alright sounds good alright guys well y- till next time this has been another episode of Grinding True Crime
1: Peace.